1: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, January the 18th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today on January 18, 1943, that was during World War II, Jewish insurgents in the Warsaw Ghetto in Poland, they launched their initial armed resistance against the Nazi troops. They were crushed in just a few days. Their spirit was high, but they were no match for the Nazis. I've mentioned this before on this program, but I mentioned it again in passing because it made such an impact on me. I was there. I visited that ghetto area in Warsaw, and um, I I met some of the family members of their parents and grandparents had been part of that insurgency. It is today kind of a tourist area. There's some, some... bronze statues there and their castings of of the Jews that went into the sewers literally down the manholes and they lived in the sewers hiding from the Nazis who were of course trying to round them up and kill them and um, it's a it's a touching place to say the least but now there's a lot of shops in there and some of the shops the one in fact one of them that I met the owners were the grandchildren of um, people who had actually been part of that. So it's a very touching area. The Warsaw Ghetto area is not that anymore, but it certainly reminds us all of how tentative life and freedom can be. Today in 1778, English navigator Captain James Cook, he reached what we know as the Hawaiian Islands, but he named them the Sandwich Islands. Maybe he was hungry that day, I don't know. Today in um, 1911, the first landing of an aircraft on a ship took place as pilot Eugene Eli. He brought his Curtis biplane in for a safe landing on the deck of an armored cruiser. The USS Pennsylvania was out in San Francisco Harbor. Today in 1957, a trio of B-52s completed the first nonstop round-the-world flight by jet planes. They landed at March Air Force Base in California after more than 45 hours aloft. That, uh, of course, involved refueling while in flight. And that whole exercise changed everything in aviation. Today, in 1991, Eastern Airlines shut down. They went bankrupt after more than 60 years, six decades in business. Today, in 1993, Martin Luther King Jr. holiday was observed in all 50 states for the first time. And today in 2005, the world's largest commercial jet, the Airbus A380, I think they called it Super Jumbo or something like that. I've never been on one, but I've seen seen one of them. It was capable of flying up to 800 passengers. That was unveiled in France. I don't know about you, but I don't have a real inclination to want to fly with 800 passengers in an airplane on a 12-hour flight across the ocean somewhere. It just seems to me it would feel a little crowded. A Boeing 747 can feel crowded. I'm sure that one would feel very crowded if it was full of passengers. I want to talk to you a little bit today about the future of truth. DirecTV, one of the largest U.S. pay TV providers, plans to drop One America News Network, OAN, dealing a major financial blow to the conservative news channel. The reason? Well, the reason that they say they're doing this, and it made international news yesterday, One One News is being dropped because it has been spreading misinformation about the last presidential election. They have been saying and reporting that there are some people in America who feel the last election was fiddled with, was manipulated. Some say Joe Biden stole the election. I haven't said that on this program, but I have seen a lot of irregularities in the last election, I can tell you for sure, just in my own research during a 2020 court proceeding a lawyer from for harry networks that's the company that owns oan they told the court if harry networks for for instance was to lose or not be renewed on direct tv the company would go out of business tomorrow that's how much they depend on direct tv direct tv obviously delivers to them the opportunity of being in millions of homes, whereas some of the other sources that they could use and do use, do not. I'm not so much, although I watch OAN myself uh, some, but my point is not what's happening to them, but it is what is behind this, and how there is such an assault on not only conservatism, but on truth itself. In fact, some are questioning what is the future of truth. I want to talk to you a little bit about that and some of the ways that all of us are manipulated by the press. But thank you so much for your support. Thanks for the notes that you send. A couple that started supporting this program very soon after we went on the air and continues each month sent this. These are notes that were just sent to me, given to me last night. They arrived in our mail and were through our office and given to me. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. Every time this particular couple sends a check each month, they send a verse along with it. I'm going to share that verse today for all of us. This will be our word from the Lord today, the word of the Lord. But the Lord is faithful, Second Thessalonians 3, 3. But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and keep you. From evil. The Lord will establish you, and he will keep you. The word of the Lord today. I got this note. Dear Gary, my husband and I consider you as our daily pastor. We so appreciate the news and teaching you give us. Our prayers, Our prayer is that your ministry grows to reach dead-hearted, to reach more dead-hearted out there. Well, that's my prayer as well, and we're doing everything we can to reach as many people as we can. And thanks to all of you and these people and others who support us regularly. We are reaching more and more people all the time. Thank you so much. This note says, thanks for the dedicated hours to bring us the truth. We are dedicated to this because we believe God has called us to do this. And I feel certainly obligated to the Lord to do the best I can for him. But there is a sense of wanting to deliver for those of you who support this ministry as well. Another note, my son who is blind and I look forward every morning to hear Gary, <laughs> Gary in quotations, give his message. We love it. I'm 88 years old. God is good to us to let us hear you and your precious message. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Dear Gary, Happy New Year. I'm glad you took a break, but I'm so happy to hear you back on live again on 820 AM. So sorry to hear about your brother. My prayers are with you and your family. Happy New Year 2022. Thank you for the well ministered program you share to your listeners five days a week. Thank you. God bless you. And then I got this. This came in an email yesterday. Oh, we get these. In fact, we get some that are much more direct than this. But this came with the subject line as why. It says, why do you take every opportunity to degrade and deface BLM and Antifa as extremists that are trying to destroy our country But you never have anything to say about white supremacy groups, i.e. Oath Keepers, Church of the National Ku Klux Klan, Proud Boys, QAnon, etc., question mark. How about denouncing the U.S. Capitol insurrectionists that stormed the Capitol and would use violence to go against our Constitution? How about denouncing Donald Trump, who instigated and stirred up the insurrection and to this day still spews lies about the election? Why don't you say anything about hate groups, lying politicians, and conspiracy theorists? Is it because you are complicit? What would Jesus do? Preach the gospel, not your political opinions. I would say to this person who wrote this just to thank you for listening. If you'll keep listening, perhaps it'll help you. And I would also say you're not listening carefully enough. Because if you were, you would know better. I think you need to pour yourself a real good high-end cup of coffee. Just sit back and relax a little bit. And just keep listening. Because I don't think you have anything to worry about. I think we're covering pretty much all of your concerns. Just listen up a little closer and you'll be just fine. And thank you again for listening. And to all of you who would not agree with that person, I would assume, who support us, thank you so much. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Governor Inslee tweeted yesterday, he said, Today, as we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., I am taking action to change how we achieve equity within the law in our state by rescinding direct, Directive 98-01. That is an executive order that rescinds that. It's a 23-year-old document that was supposed to provide agencies, that we are told, with uh, instructions on how to implement uh, Initiative 200, I-200, on affirmative action. He said, today we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I'm taking action to change how we achieve equity within the law law in our state. Achieving, I'm quoting the, the governor, Achieving equal opportunity has always been foundational to our country's history, and each of us bears the responsibility to stand up and keep this inalienable right for all Washingtonians. Everyone deserves a fair chance to live to the fullest. Everyone, Inslee said. That's true. Well, it's partially true. We did celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. yesterday yesterday. But he's taking action, these are his words, he's taking action on how to achieve equity within the law in our state, period. Then he says, achieving equal opportunity, but that's not the same. We fought a revolutionary war over equality, equal opportunity. We fought a civil war over equal opportunity or equality. Our founding documents speak to the issue the unalienable rights of equality. But nobody said anything in the founding of America about equity. Equality is that everybody gets a fair shot. They get a chance. Equity is everybody gets the same outcome. It doesn't matter how hard you work, how much you apply yourself, and all that kind of thing. Under the the rule of equity, you are going to finish... At the same time, you're going to cross the finish line as the guy who trains day and night and he can run as fast as the wind and all of that. It doesn't matter. Because they're going to see to it, the left, the progressives, that you and he or she finish together. That translates into a society as socialism. That tied and linked to cultural cultural Marxist socialism is deadly. It's been deadly in every every single civilization or society that's experimented with it. And that's what he's talking about, but he doesn't understand the difference, or he does and he's just trying to mislead. I don't know his motive, but I know what he said. I'm looking at his words. He's talking about equity in one sentence, and in the next sentence he's talking about achieving equal opportunity they're not the same they're not even close everyone deserves a fair chance to live to the fullest everyone of course this that's what america was about the pursuit of happiness our founders wanted us to pursue happiness and be happy and have a great life and be prosperous and all of that came because of the principles upon which this nation was founded but that's not equity equity is a place where everybody who can have a car drives a little gray car. They all look the same, and they all get two and a half gallons of gas every every week, and they all go to the same dispensary and get their loaf of bread, and they march off, and I'm not overstating. They march off to their home that's all the same, and they live in rows of houses, and they get something from the government every month, and nobody gets more than the other except the rulers. And that's called extreme socialism. That's what Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and all these people are pushing for, but it doesn't apply to them. I don't know what Jay Inslee's thinking is. I've never met him as far as I know. But I will tell you that he is moving in a direction that that Republicans and conservatives need to be aware of. Within public, he put out a press release yesterday. He said, within public employment, state human resources will ensure that all agencies and put in place diversity, equity, and inclusion, anti-discrimination, and reasonable accommodation plans. Those are all kind of legal, social words, some of which are drawn from our founding documents. And then the word equity is thrown in there that isn't any part of our founding documents. Nobody in the founding of America ever said, hey, let's, let's put in the Constitution, let's put in our declaration that everybody should... Experience equity. We won't we don't want any Rockefellers. We don't want people on the street. We just want everybody to have the same outcome. Nobody's ever said that until recently. And now equity has become a buzzword. And equity is undeniably connected to truth. Inslee went on in his thing. His press release, he said the Office of Equity will set a, a path forward in their upcoming comprehensive strategic plan for the state. In response to that strategic plan, the governor, this is Inslee saying, will request that all executive and small cabinet agencies develop their agency's pro-equity anti-racist strategic plan. Pro-equity anti-racist. This, of course, is the opening This is, end of quote, this is me. This is the opening of the gate to teaching critical race theory, albeit by constantly changing lists of names and titles so officials can't look you, they can look you in the eye and say, no, we're not teaching critical race theory in Washington State schools or Oregon or Idaho or Arizona or California or whatever. Because they changed the name. They're doing that, and I'm not overstating that. That's what's happening. It goes on, but that's just a taste of what happened yesterday in this whole uh, effort to so cloud truth that it puts truth itself in question. What is the future of truth? It's being played out on a national stage with OAN. Bloomberg reported The satellite TV provider has notified OAN's owner, that would be DirecTV, this is Bloomberg reporting, Harry Networks, that it plans to stop carrying the company's two channels when the contract expires. The contract expires in early April, I understand, I was told that. The channel will still be carried by Verizon, Fios, and several other smaller outlets, but the loss of DirecTV will be devastating, and they know that. OAN has seen tremendous growth, particularly as some conservatives have felt that Fox News has been moving toward the center in too much of their programming. They got people on there that they really didn't agree with. And I I think Fox has corrected that a little bit. I've been watching it a little more lately. And I think somebody is kind of steering a little bit back toward the right. I don't know, but I get that feeling. But Reuters is reporting that the move could cripple the right-wing TV network, no one for fueling, these are their words, Reuters, worldwide international story yesterday. Known for fueling conspiracy theories about the 2020 election. This move by DirecTV comes only months after a Reuters investigation revealed that OAN's founder testified that AT&T inspired him to create the network in the first place. They said, "Well, there's we have a lot of the left-leaning news." Channels on there, MSNBC, CNN, and all those guys. But we don't have that many. And so he picked up on that, and he said, here's an opportunity. And he started this. They've invested millions of dollars in it, of course. DirecTV is 70% owned by AT&T. They have made the decision to do what they can do to silence the voice of a channel that they don't agree with. We live in a post-truth era. And ironically, about this stolen election thing, do you know that this morning, and I'm not going to take time to talk about it, we may revisit it tomorrow, I don't know. But this morning, there's a couple of news stories out there that are saying the Democrats are saying that the Republicans are going to steal this midterm election in 2022. That it's all set up now, and they are going to rig the election, and they are going to steal the election. They're saying that this morning, while the left is trying to kill all the voices that may have said that there were irregularities or that the election was stolen. See how circular that is? I mean, around and around and around it goes. Let me talk to you a little bit about what some sociologists are calling the post-truth era. I saw a picture, I just couldn't pass it up, and I put it in an article that I published today. We published Faith and Freedom Daily every day on our website, every weekday. And on this, it's a picture of Abe Lincoln, one that anybody will recognize. I mean, it's one you see all the time of Abraham Lincoln. It's kind of a bust shot, like a, like a, a I don't know, a promotional photo or something of Abe Lincoln, and he's looking right at you. And I mean, you, you have to recognize him. Beside that is a quote. It's in quotes. It says Don't believe everything you read on the internet just because there's a picture with a quote next to it. Abe Lincoln. At a glance, if you're uninformed, even a little bit, at a glance, you go, That's right. Because it is right. But Abe Lincoln didn't say that. He didn't know about the internet. A quick glance at the quote shows it's a half-truth. That's just an example. But daily we are bombarded with half-truths. There's a thread of truth in most of the misleading information that's out there in our culture today. In 2017, Pew Research Center published an in-depth paper. It's titled The Future of Truth. And I... I included that in the article that I wrote today, and I, there's certainly not time on this program to go into it. it it's in-depth. But I would encourage you to at least take a look at that. Go to our website, faithandfreedom.us. You'll see it. If you go there today, that's the first thing you'll see is come up, is this article I'm talking about. You scroll down, you'll see Abe Lincoln's face, and you'll see what I just said about the, the quote. And then you'll see a link right below that, The Future of Truth, this Pew Research Center. And I would, I would encourage you to take a look at that. But they concluded that experts are evenly split on whether the coming decade, this was in 2017, the coming decade will see a reduction in false and misleading narratives. Pew suggests that misinformation is not like a plumbing problem you fix. It's a social problem like crime that you must constantly monitor, monitor and adjust to. In other words, they're suggesting that the the answer is for us to adjust to untruth. In 1994, as the Internet was developing, Paul H. Weaver, he's a former political scientist at Harvard, a journalist at Fortune Magazine, and a corporate communications executive at Ford Motor Company. He wrote a book titled News and the Culture of Lying, How Journalism Really Works. In it, he said this, and I'm quoting a bit from his book. He said, The U.S. press, like the U.S. government, is a corrupt and troubled institution. Corrupt not so much in the sense that it accepts bribes, but in a systemic sense. It fails to do what it claims to do, what it should do, and what society expects it to do. He said, The news media and the government are entwined in a vicious circle of mutual manipulation, mythmaking, self-interest. Journalists need crises to dramatize news, and the government officials need to appear to to be responding to those crises. Too often, the crises are not really crises, but joint fabrications. He says, quote, "...in two institutions, the, uh, the two institutions have become so ensnared in a symbiotic web of lies that the news media are unable to tell the public what is true, and the government is unable to govern effectively." Journalists and politicians have become ensnared in a symbiotic web of lies that misleads the public. That is the end result. The news media and the government have created this charade that serves their own interests, but it misleads the public. And that's where we are today. Although there is a thread of truth in some, maybe most news stories, the news is always tainted by an agenda and a secular progressive worldview. It's always slanted that way. It doesn't matter what it's about. If it's about boy about what it doesn't matter what it's about. It's always always threaded through a an attempt at changing your mind or indoctrinating. And there is always this thread of untruth woven into a thread of truth. So it appears to be all true. This weird relationship between the press and the politicians set the stage for fabricating crisis and stage managing their responses. It enhances their own prestige and power and keeps them in business. Yesterday, for an example, just yesterday, an example, the New York Times published an article with the headline, Who is King of Florida? Tensions rise between Trump and a former acolyte. The Times creates this, it's a long story. It creates this conflict between... Trump and Governor DeSantis and their presidential aspirations. Then it proceeds to undermine both of them and basically tell the reader, oh, you you don't want to vote for any of those guys. What is truth? 2,000 years ago, truth was put on trial and judged by people who were devoted to lies, both religious people and secular people. In fact, truth is faced six trials in less than one full day, three of which were religious and three that were legal. In the end, few people involved in those events could even answer the question, what is truth? Pilate looked at Jesus right in the face, and he said, what is truth? John 18. That question has reverberated down through history. Today our culture is starved for truth, but too often it refuses to embrace it. Jesus explained that he was born for trials. The disciples of post-truth listen to the drumbeat of Frederick Nietzsche and all of these other guys when they can't quite understand what Jesus said and what he was about. The truth, you shall know the truth, that he is the truth. Outside of our godly wisdom, we live in a very confusing world. Hey, I'll see you right here tomorrow.